Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Legacy. I'm your host, Jerry Mee. Unfortunately, Patrick is not joining us tonight. It is football season again, and Patrick is coaching his son's football team, and he got stuck at the field tonight, so he'll be joining us again next week. But that's okay. That just means we get to have a serious discussion for once. Uh, I am joined, uh, finally, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, uh, Mr. Jeremy Tibbetts. How you doing, man? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Uh, for those who don't know, Jeremy, you are a uh, Esper enthusiast, <laughs> if to oh, put yeah. it lightly. I think you've been playing Esper for as long as I've been playing Sneak and Show, which is a, a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, you've been you've been doing really well with the deck, and definitely wanted to chat with you about it because I know I gripe about it. You know at least once a month about how I wish Esper Stoneblade was, uh, was as good as it used to be. And you challenged me recently and said, you know what? It actually is. I'm putting up results with it. Here's my list. Uh, you know, see what you can do with it. So wanted to bring you on the cast to kind of, uh, tell everyone else about the deck and you know how much fun it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, Esper's Esper's great. It, uh, it does a really wide uh, variety of things pretty well. Uh, it's really easy to modify to, you know, tailor to your specific metagame. It's um, it's not uh, it's not going to beat anything by a landslide, but it, you know, you're going to have game against just about everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, that's that's something we kind of talked about in our uh, in our own chat. Um, about how you know Esper definitely makes you work for your wins. Um, you know it. Uh, it's not a an easy deck to pilot by any any you know stretch of the imagination. I feel it's a it's definitely a deck of uh, you know very punishing to mistakes. You know if you don't play yeah, it well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, I mean the deck wants to play a lot of turns, right? And it means you just have to play every turn you know better than your opponent for. A really long time. Yeah. And that's something I really want to talk to you about is why I felt I, I really struggled with the deck because I, I ran it through a couple leagues pretty recently. You sent me your list. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is it feels like the meta is a lot less forgiving to an already unforgiving deck just because card advantage is so good these days with things like expressive iteration. It just narrows that, that margin gap, you know, makes it even tighter that you, if you're not playing perfectly, you know, you can really get punished, but in your opponent can kind of just undo all the work you did. Yeah. I think uh, some of that you have to mitigate by like really, um, understanding what you're playing against super mm-hmm. early so that your ponders and brainstorms are like, you know, the most effective, try to plan out however many turns advance exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, that, that's a great way to put it. It, it is definitely a deck that rewards you for knowing the metagame super well, because yeah, I agree. It's, you know, the, the games where I lost with Esper 
were games where I misjudged what I was playing against. Um, you know, and you you end up keeping swords to plowshares when you really should have kept thoughtsies or or vice versa. Sure, sure. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, so yeah, let's let's run down your list to, so our listeners kind of have an idea what they're working with too. So we got four force of will, one force negation, three thought sees, four swords to plowshares, four prismatic ending, three ponder, four brainstorm, four stoneforge mystic, four baleful strix, one stampcaster mage, one true name nemesis. Though I think you were saying you were thinking about cutting it. I did. Uh, you did cut the true name. Okay. Uh, what are you running in the true names place instead? Oh. I actually changed a few cards uh, since I played that list. I actually went down to the TCG Con thing in New Jersey yep. uh, with a slightly different list and split the top four of that. Awesome. Okay. So we'll talk about those changes then. Uh, so then just to round it off, we got three Teferi, one Jace, one Batter Skull, one Jitte. And then the mana base is pretty stock mix of Esper, you know, Scrubland, Underground Sea, Tundras, and Fetchlands. And then I thought interesting you're, you're running two Wasteland, uh, not the four, not the full playset. Right. So you want some Wasteland um, just in various spots, but we're not really a Wasteland deck. Yeah, you're not playing the tempo game like uh, Blue Red Delver is. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of just you know sniping those utility lands because yeah maybe utility land maybe uh maybe snipe uh, a cloud post or something by you several turns you know just, right uh, or, or uh, a Gaius cradle just just a couple uh you know utility lands and you know it's possible that the wastelands aren't even correct but they're frequently pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And it also it's it's almost uh, you know, it's not like the number of targets for it has gone down in recent years. You know, wizards continually print really good non-basic lands, giving wasteland plenty of work to do. Yeah, sometimes I won't run uh wasteland and I'll do like an extra fetchland and a caracas. Yeah. Caracas, it's really depends on how good caracas is at the time. And right. So um that's kind of the mana base then i wanted to talk about uh first the removal package because you do have a lot of onboard removal with the four swords to plowshares and then four prismatic ending that's really the biggest difference since the last time i played the deck um you know prismatic ending hadn't been printed yet um you know how, how does how does the removal suite feel for for you when you play it i think that it's important it's uh it's the reason that i've been uh having a really high win rate versus uh, blue red Delver. Yeah. I think when I was playing the deck, those prismatic endings were him to Torak or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I always remember that was a big thing. A big downfall of Esther Stoneblade when I was playing it was, you know, it couldn't run abrupt decay and sure. not having that onboard answer to things. Like we played things like council's judgment, but that's still kind of rough. Um, I feel prismatic ending really does give the deck that that little bit of flexibility that we were that we were missing back in you know Deathrite Shaman days. Oh yeah, it's so clean, and uh, you know a lot of people you know gripe about it being a sorcery, but with Teferi, it's just insane. <laughs> yeah, Teferi <laughs> continues to be the like I win the game card of a lot of decks is really how it felt. It's like playing it against combo decks, it's like okay, now all of a sudden I guarantee that I win the counter magic war. Um, you know, it let prevents them from you know doing anything too tricky because 
I do find with Esper more than other uh, decks, it, it tends to be a tap out deck too. You know, you tend to really want to use your mana. Right, right. Um, so yeah, it, it's it looks like it has a lot of removal on the surface, and then it actually even has because we've got four baleful sticks and both yes. straight. You know, yeah, baleful sticks is is great, and I, that that's kind of like, yeah. Let's transition to that because I feel the uh, the elephant in the room. The big question is. You know, why run Esper over the more popular Jess guy? You know, what does black give us that we can't get out of red? You know, we give up a lot of things by giving up red, namely, you know, expressive iteration, but also things like lightning bolts and pyroblast, which are really popular in the meta right now. Yeah, you know, it's probably probably uh, pyroblast has got to be the big one. Yeah, that's the big one you, you, you're missing, not having access yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, tell us, you know, why, why are you playing black over red? You know, what, what draws well, you to that? I think that the Strix is really good and it's, it's against some matches. It's about as good as the, uh, iteration. It's obviously not always, but it does wear equipment, you know, um, and, uh, really the big draw for black for me, uh, is probably some of the sideboard stuff like plague engineer, plague engineer, just ends up winning you matches that none of the red cards could ever win you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, stuff like, um, elves, elves has always been a pretty tough matchup for a stone blade. And, uh, for some reason I seem to always run into the damn deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though it's not, it's not even that popular anymore, but I, I run into, I keep running into it. Um, yeah, it's also really, really good against these, uh, these death and taxes decks. Um, just Blake engineer, man. That card is that card's a house, and uh, people are kind of moving away from it a little bit as uh, they're not really playing black. Anymore. Yeah, uh, you know that's the other thing is um, the other big addition is the thought sees. Um, yeah. You know, we really, f- I think Vale of Summer kind of kicked the trend off where people really shied away from black, and even though Vale of Summer has fallen out of popularity. Uh, people haven't really gone back to black at all. Like, uh, you know, Plague Engineer is great. Like you said, it wins you gains, but it doesn't feel like it's quite enough to get people to run black again. It feels like black is kind of missing a reason in the mid-range deck, uh, you know, meta. Yeah, um, I don't think I've I don't think I've been veiled yet. And uh, and I know it's out there, um, but it's it's just that's also one of the things that like uh, I think people aren't playing a lot of that card really anymore either just thinking that the existence of veil alone will <laughs> yeah not people from playing thoughtsies exactly it's like veil was too good at its job and uh you know it pushed all the black decks to extinction and now even though veil's fallen out of favor they still haven't come back um you know but so with uh with the baleful strix with the thought sees with the plague engineer you know that that's that's your you know your trifecta of black cards um you know how would it change the deck do you feel um yeah what am i trying to say uh i would i would just say that uh you know compared to like the just guy lists are you uh you know going for a different game plan do you feel you're faster do you feel you're slower well the deck at some point you gotta uh you have to try to um close the game right and i think yep. uh the jeskai deck is a little more awkward in that in that sense right you've got your expressive iteration on two but that's not really 
a proactive line. That's really, it's a turn three play, maybe even later against a wasteland deck. Um, Strix is just like, just something that you can jam on turn two. So I I think uh, it's about the curve. The curve of this deck feels much different than Hmm. the deck. Yeah, that's funny you bring it up because when I played the deck through a couple leagues, I did feel like I was desperate for like a Mox Diamond or some other sort of ramp effect because the deck does revolve around that two drop as you know so much. You know, you're wanting to jam your your Baleful Strixes, you're wanting to jam your uh, your uh, Stoneforge Mystics, um, and I I felt like because I didn't have the Mana Rock that I just kind of felt on the back foot constantly. Um, you know, trying to play around because you like you said with Jess Guy, yeah, it's a three drop with that expressive iteration, but it's also a lot cleaner. Whereas I feel with the Esper deck when I was running it, I had to kind of jump through more hoops to get the card advantage. You know, things like bouncing my own baleful strix with my Teferi to replay it, if you know, in order to draw two cards. Um, I don't know, just it just felt like I I had more hoops to get through, and that kind of constantly was putting me on the back foot. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it all like it, it all depends on the match, right? Uh, yeah. Against like a Delver deck where you're probably going to trade off the Strix or they're going to burn a removal on the Strix. That card is going to go a little deeper for you than against a deck where they never kill the Strix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really it's really about the matchup where, you know, against a combo deck, you're going to get you're going to get two cards out of uh, your iteration a lot more effectively than you will out of the strings. Gotcha. I, I think what I'm trying to say is um has the mana advantage strategy of Esper, like how do you view mana advantage? Because when I used to play uh Esper back in the day, uh Esper was a king of grinding out incremental card advantage. You know, you had your Stoneforge Mystics, which were card advantage, you're playing things like him to Torak, and it was all about like nickel and diming your opponent to get that little bit of card advantage is, is that still there or is the strategy it's different? Still these there. Days? It's not, it's not as, it's uh, not as prevalent, but it's definitely still there. You have to work for it. You, like you said, uh, use your Teferi, bounce your Strix, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe do the same thing with the Snapcaster mages. Uh, yeah. There's a glut with the deck that uh, revolves around, you know, two, three. That's why thought season is like so important. Thought season yep. bonded sort of thing. And actually uh, with the newer list that I've been playing, I have uh, I have four ponders now, um, and I've got a little bit more uh, one mana interaction. I've got like um, a mystical dispute in the main, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of one of the things. It really depends on the matchup because you've got all your you've got all of your like plows and endings and stuff, and those against a lot of decks those just don't feel like they're just don't come up as early plays but against you know your death and taxes your maverick your delver like those sort of decks elves uh goblins whatever have you uh those are your those are early plays that will get you into that mid game yeah and i do feel um you still you really do need that card advantage because 
a, a lot of your cards, if you draw the wrong card in the wrong matchup, it feels like you just have blank cards. It's <laughs> you know? always it's like always the equipment. You always. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That was like the most frustrating thing for me. I was like, man, thank God I'm drawing like two to three cards off of my Teferi and Baleful Strix because half of them aren't doing anything in this matchup. <laughs> yeah. The last, uh, the last event I played, I actually thought about moving the jet to the board and the lion sash to the main. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's probably right. Just because it's another body, it's another card you can run out turn two. It's it's main deck graveyard. Hey, it's probably it's probably right. I'm just uh, you know maybe too much of a coward to pull uh, pull the trigger yet. <laughs> well, part of it's also the nostalgia too, because I'm you were telling me how the Jace wasn't that great, and you're thinking about cutting Jace, and I'm just did, like, I did cut the Jace. You did cut the Jace, and for me, it's just like, man, Jace is like why I want to play the deck. Like I, I slam that Jace, and it reminds me of all the good times we used to have. <laughs> right, exactly. The Jace, Jace is the card advantage, but Pyroblast's everywhere, right? I mean, everybody's got, you know, one or two in the main. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard life for Jace right now. Yeah, I, I cut it and I threw the um, the Wandering Emperor in the main deck, and that card is insane. Yeah, so cool. uh, I I definitely felt like Wandering Emperor. Uh, it was a very so both playing against it and playing with it because when I played the deck through a league, I played against a uh, Death and Taxes list, and we actually had Wandering Emperor versus Wandering Emperor, and um, yeah, that thing is an army in a can. You know, definitely reminds me of things like the uh, the six drop Elspeth that just like yeah. shits out tokens and <laughs> yeah, or the, the Gideon or whatever. Yeah, Gideon, just you know, it's a long line of white. Uh, four mana plus planeswalkers that are just you know instant army <laughs> yeah the thing is just uh the flash it lets you letting you keep up your options it's just so good i um in new jersey i had a match against the mono red uh chalice deck yeah where uh this guy I, i'm like a head on board and he makes this desperate play i don't have any counters but he casts a uh, yoga lumps oh, and- okay and I was like, uh, float mana. I was like, it resolves, <laughs> cast my wandering emperor, and it just <laughs> crushed him. Yeah, that uh that is definitely a backbreaking play right there. So so Jace got the cut uh for Wandering Emperor. Uh what so what about the rest of your threat package though? Because on the surface, it kind of looks like the threat package is a little light. You know, you got your snapcaster mages and baleful strixes to chip away. And then you have the Stoneforge Mystic, which can find the Batter Skull. Um, and then you had a single true name, but you actually cut the true name. So it was true name I just. Did. I, I put in a, um, was it uh, the Timeless Dragon? Timeless the Dragon? Time... Oh, is that <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Eternal Dragon, the one with oh, Eternal Eyes? It is might be it might be timeless. I always forget the name of it, but I know which one. It's the five drop dragon that has Eternal Eyes. Yeah, he's uh, that card was pretty good. Um, it's also another another early play that you can just uh, flip into play on turn four, and then um, you know it's an uncounterable four four, which is pretty sweet. That's a it's a bigger clock than True Name, and yeah. um, I mean True Name is only three mana, but you know, the fact that they can counter it is pretty big. Yeah, and it also feels like there isn't as much uh, targeted removal uh, in the meta anymore. Um, you know, yes, there's a bunch of power blasts floating around, but that I feel is is even worse because they're just going to counter the true name. They're just never well, going to let it come into play. It's not even just that; it's just all their all of Delver's threats fly now. It's like they don't 
Yeah, so they don't care about the blocking aspect. The Germags or anything, you know? Right. They just keep turning their guys sideways while you have your, uh, I don't even know. What what was that? uh, The unblockable guy, the Phantom Warrior or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> <Phantom Warrior> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I mean, it's a three mana for a three power clock is that's already putting you on the back foot to, you know, an opponent that flipped a Delver on turn two and it started cracking right. in like, right, exactly. and they have lightning bolts. So you're definitely going to lose that race. Right. You drop the thing and you're on, you're at 10 and they're like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> you know, right. It just doesn't matter. Um, so what about the rest of the threat package? So, um, you know, how do you feel you're winning most games? You know, what, what's crashing in for the, for the final? Games, it's, it's just going to be Batterskull. Batter it's going to be so, and a couple birds just, just going the distance after you pretty much, you know, wiped all their guys, just grind, grinded them out a little bit. Yeah. But it depends, um, it depends on the, on the, um, on the match again, I mean, against a faster deck, uh, Maybe post game, uh, maybe you get them with like the hole breacher or uh, or the lion sash or something like that. Yeah, I feel when I was uh, playing the deck, uh, uh, lion sash was surprisingly good. Uh, I yeah. remember throwing a lion sash on a baleful strix and just winning that way because I had like I had two baleful strix out. And I just kept trading back and forth, <laughs> you know, you know, just, okay. Equip the line sash to this one, swing in, re-equip it to the other one, use it as a blocker. And my opponents just couldn't deal with it. Right. Um, so yeah, line sash is really good. Uh, you know, batter skull, of course, gains you a ton of life. And that's, that's always, you know, <laughs> not often spoken about, but man, does no, that make a difference? Necessary. And it's weird. I mean, life gain typically is not that great, but when it's incidental like that, it's, it's really, really good. Right. And it, it's, it's good in surprising matchups. Like I remember I was playing against uh, ad nauseum tendrils and oh, yeah. batter skull won just by swinging in twice, just because right. the, that, <laughs> I can't build up enough storm. Yeah, you know? exactly. They couldn't get enough storm. And so I was out of reach and they scooped and then they just, they, they couldn't answer it. Um, now one thing you was, we is that interesting. You actually told me this, uh, before we started in, uh, in our chat, I asked you why you weren't running Caldra complete. Can you uh, let our listeners know kind of about that okay, thought process? Yeah. Caldra yeah, complete just, uh, serves a totally different purpose than, uh, than anything that we're really trying to achieve. I mm-hmm. think that, um, uh, Caldra complete is a really proactive, aggressive card, uh, but it has it has a lots of other issues that are maybe legacy specific on top of the fact that uh, you know we're we're always on the back pedal. You know we're not we're playing from behind, and that card isn't looking to do that. If somebody has a bunch of delvers on the table, that card's not going to win you the game. It's, it's just you know it's basically it's the same problem as Truning. They're just not blocking. They don't need to. They're already ahead. Um, and on top of that, you've got. Uh, so many cards like like the prismatic ending or whatever right where they just answered the germ and now you have nothing and it's uh it's just a bad feeling with the with you know teferis and uh brazen borrower and things like that that card just uh i'm really more surprised that anybody plays that card in legacy it's about a turn maybe maybe even two turns faster versus combo decks but really, you're not going to beat a combo deck with Stoneblade because you were faster than. 
Yeah, but I mean, you'd be surprised how useful that remove it from game is before anything happens. Like that, that was very frustrating playing against death and taxes where I had my batter skull and they had their cauldron complete. So that's fair, but death and taxes is the aggressor. Yeah. Stoneblade's not. True, true. Uh, it's just, I mean, any card that can make Grizzle Brands pause is, uh, I think, worth taking a look at. <laughs> that, that's, fair. that's fair. And they, they, uh, you know, they've got 80 cards. They can fit anything they want. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. You know, Death and Taxes has a lot more room to uh, to work with there. Um, so uh, no no Cauldre Complete. Um, is there any other kind of uh, equipment that you consider? Like, I mean, it feels like we're long past the day of running things like Sword of Fire and Ice. But Sword of Fire and Ice is one that I kind of wish, you know, I wish it was a little better. I love that card. I mean, who doesn't like to draw cards to deal damage, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, just is it not reliable enough? I know you talked about how the sash is really good because it's also a body. You know, um, is it sash is really good? I think uh, it's not just that it's re- not reliable enough. It's that um, the Stoneforge Mystic dies right all the time, and you've got this essentially five mana worth. You know worth to do something with it which is just a lot for that kind of mana uh batter skull comes with with the body mm-hmm. right it, and it is the fact that you can reset it uh things like um you know if you have to you can even teferi bounce it if you want to conserve the mana things like that uh being able to reset it that that's what really drove it home for me uh that you talked about was why cauldra complete isn't as great is because it's much much harder for the deck to reset a cauldron complete than it is for a death and taxes to reset a cauldron complete you know it's oh, not yeah. not like we're running like flicker wisp and yorion and things like that yeah 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 there there's some other equipment that's cool i mean in the past i've tried the mangara when uh when stoneforge decks are really popular mm-hmm. that was always cool um uh other swords too um I've played uh, the red white one. That one just puts out a lot of damage and gains life. That I mean, that's sort of something we're in the market for too. And the production colors are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's possible that right now, just like Batter Skull and Lion Sash are the two big ones. Yeah, that is good too. But it's uh, I think it's a little harder to get their, your use out of the jit lately. It's more conditional, um, especially just the fact that it really leads you to being, it's not really a two for one, but it feels like a two for one when they blow out like your Baleful Strix. You know, you spend a bunch of mana to cast Jit and then equip it to the Strix and then you swing with the Strix and then they Pyroblast your Strix. (laughs) And that, like, like you feel like, man, I'm, they... Like I, that is so mana inefficient. You know, I just spent four mana and they countered it with one mana and it, it right. feels like you're time walking yourself. Yeah. Almost actually. I mean, you cast the Strix too. It's almost, you know, that's six mana. That's a lot of yeah. time for them to yeah. end with, with one mana card. And it, it's pretty much any one mana card. That card's pretty squishy. <laughs> right. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it definitely takes away some of the advantage Strix has of being a, uh, you know, a card advantage machine. If you try and Voltron it up, it, uh, it kind of starts to fall apart pretty quickly. So I can definitely see how the sash, uh, would be, would be, you know, very useful. Go, go figure that, uh, equipments that are germs tend to be the most powerful that are printed. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about, let's talk about, uh, your protection suite, because I feel you have a really good combo matchup between the force of wills and the thought seizes. Um, how does, how does that feel for you? Uh, so yeah, we also have the, uh, the one of force negation. Yeah. Yep. One force negation. Really? Even the one of snapcaster, sometimes I'll sideboard like an additional snapcaster too. And that actually feels like it, it matters when you want to bring in uh, more of your one mana spells, your flustered storms and extra thought seas and stuff like that. That, that one of uh, Snapcaster is definitely a soul crusher because I, I remember in my league, I was actually playing against a sneak and show matchup and I drew three thought seizes and a, and a Snapcaster. Oh, yeah. And like my opponent was crying, especially when I ended up to fairy <laughs> bouncing the Snapcaster oh, yeah. so I could play it again to flashback another thought seize. Uh, <laughs> they were, they were not having a good time, you know, just absolutely decimating their hands. <laughs> Yeah, that card, it's still pretty good, but it's its just, uh, it's at its all-time funkiest. Yeah. That card, uh, Staffcaster is just, um, you want it, you want it, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's a three-mana plus play. Yep. So it's, uh, you, you definitely have to limit on how many you want to play. It's possible that, you know, there's, there's uh, situations where um, you want another one, you want two, or maybe even three, but it's not really the two for one that it feels like anymore. Cause that two, that two, one body is like not a whole card, you know? Right. Right. It's like, and it's like, yeah, you can pick it up a JIT, but we just kind of talked about why JIT is still not that great. <laughs> right. Um, now with the thought seasons, those were like either amazing or they felt like they were worthless, like against something like uh, uh, Blue Red Delver. It just felt like they just didn't quite do enough because all of Blue Red Delver's cards more or less do the same thing. And then they're able to just kind of re-up their hands with the expressive iteration. So it just felt like going one for one just wasn't really worth the card slot. You know, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the card is significantly better versus them on the play than the draw. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and let's talk about kind of thoughts, these targets, because we have been we talked about earlier about how knowing the meta is so important. You know, what are you prioritizing uh, against, a, you know, obviously against combo decks, you're taking the combo pieces or, you know, their ability to cast the combo pieces. But right. what about the what about the fair decks? Like, what do you prioritize with the thought sees against fair decks? So, like with a Delver deck, sometimes it really depends on your own hand. Sometimes it's just the threat. Uh, most of the time, it's probably the iteration. Sometimes, if you we have a hand that has like two Stone Forge, uh, and you're really trying to get one to stick, maybe uh, you just take one of the removal spells. Mm-hmm. But often, it's just just the knowledge alone is enough. You know, kind of like the the Gataxian probe effect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we can see that. Um, now, I think that about cover. Let's talk about kind of sideboard plans because that I feel is one of the more difficult uh, parts of of the deck. Uh, do you have an updated sideboard you want to read off to us? Because I think uh, the one I have is is outdated. 
Yeah, I can. Uh, so the sideboard, I think, is something like uh, two plague engineers, yep. two mystical dispute, two fluster storm, um, two blue elemental blast, uh, one engineered plague. Not engineer plague, sorry, engineer explosives. Yep. One supreme verdict. Uh, one hull breacher. One lion sash. Uh, and Kaya uh, the usurper. Yeah, yeah, there's the one of yeah, there's the one of Kaya usurper. Um, I'm not sure how many how many cards was that. Uh, I think that was about fifteen. Um, yeah, eight eight twos. Um. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's it. Yeah, that that that's pretty close there's to no what more. I, what there's no more. Here. I think that I I played no more thought season the board anymore. I actually cut down to two of that card. Two thought season. Funny, because, yeah, because we're talking about. Yeah, I think I think that um, uh, not that it's bad. I just I've been really really impressed with mystical dispute. So I yeah. think that kind of fills that that slot a little better. Yeah, it, it so, does. It it feels like mystical dispute is filling the uh, the pyroblast hole. You know that you talked pretty much. About. Yeah, I mean you you get to just counter uh, the dragons for one mana, and they they just don't see it coming. Or against the Jeskai decks, they've got all the three mana planeswalkers and uh, the days undoing, and uh, I mean show and tell. There's just there's so many. I mean it's legacy. There's so yeah. many big. <laughs> Go figure. There's blue cards in legacy. <laughs> um, another card I was really impressed by from the sideboard was Kaya. I was surprised at how relevant Kaya was in so many different matchups. Yeah, Kaya's sweet. Um, I uh, got paired against an elf deck in Jersey, and um, I just peeled it on my third turn, and that was the whole game. I just. Just pretty much every turn, I just gunned down a one mana creature with it, and yeah. uh, there was nothing he could do. It was it pretty wild. Yeah. And against blue red delver, actually, you stick one of those things. You know, it can kill a threat, and then you can start plussing it. And it doesn't take long with all the dragons that they play to actually kill them with the kaya. Yeah. So to remind our listeners, because it's not one you see super often in Legacy, it does see play, but uh, it's one, it's a planeswalker for one white black, three loyalty. Uh, it's plus one is exile up to two cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. So onboard graveyard hate, that's always nice. And then it's really useful ability is minus one exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less and that one was huge um i was using it to exile germ tokens against death and taxes to reset their cauldra complete to make them keep you know they had to keep uh flashing it in and out and then that was buying me time because then they couldn't attack with it that turn um it's great against all of the urza saga decks because you're exiling their tokens you're exiling the artifacts that they tutor up with urza saga you know obviously it's great against things like delver secrets um you know it feels like it's like hey you get an abrupt decay every turn for the next yeah three pretty turns. much you get, the, you get the chalice you get the other vial you get you know yeah because hits a lot of cards yeah because unless they unless they got stifled they're not countering that <laughs> you know they right. don't they don't get to say anything about it and then to wrap it all up it's it's ultimate is minus five 
Uh, Kaya deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. So while you're just using Kaya, you're also, you know, supercharging her ultimate to just be a one hit KO. Yeah, it doesn't take that long. I mean, she's three mana. I think what comes in three counters goes up to four. You can go up to four pretty quickly. So yep. you go up to four or five, I guess, in the third turn, you can ultimate it. So it's, it's pretty quick. I've actually, uh, I've had a game where against Doomsday where I got it and play bust it and they just couldn't win because they had to present a pile where they'd have to pass the turn, but they exiled all those cards. So yeah, you know, and that's it. They can't win anymore. Yeah. I think the distinction that people might be missing out on is Kaya deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, not exiled by Kaya, just in general cards that that player owns in exile so those force of will cards are counting those murktide regent cards are counting um i'm actually surprised you haven't seen anyone be like all of those cards that we exiled too yeah all the cards yes oh yeah good call yeah prismatic ending source of plowshares yeah great point uh i'm surprised we haven't seen anyone be like really cheeky and run kaya with uh uh, Leyline of the Void <laughs> for uh, <laughs> like that. That would be some interesting, uh, interesting combos. But yeah, the, that Kaya really outperformed. I like I had it this time. We're like, yeah, this seems good. I, I think I could bring it in in the slower matchups. And yeah, she carried her weight time and time again every time I resolved her. Yeah, you've just got um, things like that. You know, the, the Teferi and the Kaya and stuff. It's not, it's way more subtle, but those cards will allow you to uh, grind out card advantage as well. Just like you used to, it's just, um, it's not as noticeable as when you're just brainstorming every turn, you know? Yeah. And another thing I'll tell listeners is uh, don't scoff at the incremental life game, you know, two mana from Kaya, two mana from Jate. There were multiple games that I won when I was on like one or two life, <laughs> you know, you, you are really playing on the razor's edge when you play Esper Stoneblade. <laughs> oh yeah. I, uh, I had a game uh, in New Jersey the last weekend um, against burn where I won game one uh, without ever getting a batter skull in play just with the Kaya. Yeah, Kaya, Batter Skull, Jitte, and then also Lion Sash too. Like there's a there's a lot of incremental life gain. And you know, for a deck that takes as long to stabilize as Esper, and I say that not to like, you know, diss the deck at all. It's just it's true. It's you know, yeah, yeah, it's you need to stabilize to win the game. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that that incremental life gain that makes all the difference between stabilizing and losing. Right, right. Oh, I think your microphone cut out. Oh, oh, okay. You're back. You're back. Um, so yeah. Uh, what else about the sideboard too? Um, you know, how do you feel about like the graveyard decks? I, I noticed you don't necessarily have much graveyard aid. I, you had a surgical extraction, but I think you said you cut the surgical. Oh, right. No, no, actually, the surgical is still there. So the graveyard uh, the- pieces in the board are a, uh, a surgical, the lion sash and the Kaya. Um, oh yeah, that's true. I, I guess you have incremental graveyard hate. I wasn't really giving it as much credit, you know. Yeah, it's, but it's not. I mean, Kai is Kai is a lot to ask for against Reanimator. But. Yeah, Reanimator or Dredge. It's just like maybe a little yeah. too little, too late. Um, the Lion Sash is definitely useful, but yeah, I definitely feel that's more for your uh, like Merktide Regents and uh, you know uh, 
life from the loam style decks rather than your explosive graveyard decks. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's just a meta call right now. I don't, I, I haven't been seeing a lot of those explosive graveyard decks. I haven't been seeing Hogak or Dredge and uh, I barely see Reanimator. I don't know exactly why that is. I just haven't been seeing them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I I got kind of the short end. I ended up playing against uh, Eight Walla, and uh, that definitely <laughs> that definitely slapped me around with uh you know the turn turn one three Venge Vines. <laughs> I've never played against that deck. Oh never. really? Um, yeah, I have. I, maybe it's good. Is it is it about as fast as the Hogak deck, or is uh, it fast? So it's faster, but it's less consistent. Like. Hogak will, I feel, is pretty consistent in in when it can go off. Whereas Eight Walla, you're either getting like a turn one kill on board with haste, or you're playing a lot of root wallas for a couple turns. <laughs> like it's it's very hit or miss with Eight Walla. It's not it's not very consistent at all. Right, right. Just like the old school madness decks. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I played the deck, and it's it's a lot of fun, and you draw a lot of cards. But yeah, it's it's it kind of feels more like uh, it it feels more like oops all spells than uh, Hogak in that way, <laughs> where it's like if you're not doing what you're doing, you're just kind of sputtering around playing one ones. <laughs> right, or that uh, the hollowed one deck, where you're like you play the goblin lore or whatever it is. Yeah, the dice, you know. Yep, exactly, exactly. But it's fun. I mean, I've played that deck too. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else you kind of want to say about the deck? Or I know you've had some really good. You know, you've top aided a bunch of uh, pretty good sized events. Are you going to like the Legacy Pit? What's What's next for the deck? I'd like to. I'd like to. I wish. Uh, I wish it was still. Well, the last one was in Maryland. Uh, I, I believe so. I'm not sure. I yeah, forget. It's, it's, it's even further now, right? They're they're running it in Virginia. Yep. Uh, for me, I think that I want to say it's like six, seven hours. I'm pro- I'll probably end up making, but uh, as of right now, I'm not like uh, firmly dedicated to go. But uh, Joe, my twin brother Joe, he wants to go, so yep, probably end up doing. Um, yeah, um, I think that the deck's still really good. Uh, I think it still has you know some favorable matches out there. And um, people are like really hung up on, you know, what the meta currently is or what the perceived best best deck is. I feel like there's always the perceived best deck and may, sometimes it is the best deck, but there's always a perceived best deck. And then the, the best deck that people are try, playing to try to beat that deck. And uh, usually the best deck is something else entire. Mm-hmm. Like who knows, like maybe uh hogak is actually the best deck right now i mean that that deck's insane yeah uh, maybe it's the eight cast deck that that deck is insane that deck puts up it keeps drawing it has uh you know all of the cards one mana one mana draw twos it's got chalice of the void it has ridiculous threats it's got the urza saga that deck might even be the best deck but you know everybody's looking at the delver because we just we've just got a history of that's it. Everyone wants to play Delver, you know. Yeah, so I think that um, you know, uh, that's the, that's the issue with Stoneblade. People say, oh, people aren't playing that, you know, anymore. So it's so it's not good. Um, but you know, all the cards are still good. All the cards, you know, they're all reasonable. They all you, all of your cards still line up against uh, what other people are doing. There's a couple cards that you know might be uh, troublesome, but. Um, I think the cards that uh, really started pushing 
Stoneblade out of the meta aren't really played anymore. We had stuff like Colgan's Command, things like that. And I think yeah, that, uh, like Colgan's Command, meant, Abrupt yeah. Decay, Vila Summer, like these are guys right, that, that just don't that see meta like. was so much worse uh, for Stoneblade, I think, than than maybe ever any other time. I think that uh, you know that's perfectly reasonable right now. And I've even seen some like four color lists pop up that have iterations as well. Yeah. Just, you know, can't beat them, join them, cast those, right. <laughs> cast those iterations. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's the way to go. Cut them wastelands and get greedy. Yeah. And also something, you know, we've been remiss to talk about until now is I think one of the biggest reasons to play Esper Stoneblade is it's one of the most fun magic decks to play just in general. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, I consistently say this, that, you know, if I was stuck on a desert island with only two magic decks, you know, the two decks I would bring would be Esper Stoneblade and then probably something like Maverick or Rug Delver, just because sure. that's that's just like that's magic as as Richard Garfield envisioned is how I, I see yeah, it. Exactly. You people want to interact, you know, yeah, you want just, to interact. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably what I would want to do. Something like Maverick, Stoneblade, even Delver, you know, it's mm-hmm. um it's uh it's a problem right now but it's still it's still an interactive deck at the core yep yeah you know i wish they would go back to tarmogoyfs than you know eight eight dragons but you know that's neither here nor there <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that i think that um really uh it's not gonna matter what the threat is if if days is there to be mm. honest yeah, I'm I'm on that uh the the band days side on the band day, days. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I mean, how many creatures are they gonna ban because because they don't want to let go of days? You know. Yeah, I feel days is pretty sacrosanct to this point, though. Like I'd put days on the same pedestal as wasteland. Well, days days isn't exactly uh, offering something to the to the meta that's entirely unique, like wasteland. Right, wasteland is so much different. Uh, um, I don't think that there's any sort of good replacement. Whereas, like, if these Delver decks lost days, you would still just see a deck that had like four Force of Will, two Spell Pierce, and maybe two more Force of Nation or something. The deck would still function very, very similar. Yeah, but I feel like days plus Wasteland is just such a classic mana denial strategy that. You know, land destruction has just been beaten down and down and down by wizards over the years um, to the fact, to the point that, you know, land destruction is basically non-existent. And I feel Jay's Wasteland uh, is kind of one of the last last vestiges of, uh, you know, playing a, a mana denial type deck. You know, yeah, you have Rashad in Port and Death and Taxes with Wastelands, but, you know, that's definitely much more mana intensive and it's just not the same feeling as a, as a Day's Wasteland deck. That's true, but um, you know, before you were doing that and you were uh, backing it up with a Tarmogoyf, you know, you'd have a two mana creature, or you'd have your Nibble Mongoose. That was, yeah, you know, it, was, it was a one-one for probably the the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the hope was that it'd be a three-three, but now you've got multiple one mana three power flyers. It's uh, it's it's not necessarily as healthy of a play pattern. Yeah, you know, as it used to be. That's what I'm saying. You know, keep days, ban every creature printed in the last it's 10 just, years. It's <laughs> just too much, though. It's just too much. I think that, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I, like, I think that eventually, like, something's, something's going to give. Like, people, I don't know. 
can't you gotta can't, start spending mana for some of your cards can't <laughs> can't put the twinkie back in the wrapper right. <laughs> you've got you've got two forces i think that's uh i think that's a <laughs> fair trade-off all right all right i hear you awesome well uh let's start to wrap it up uh jeremy as as you know we always do uh scoops and poops at the end uh you got any scoops for us this week uh, scoops yeah i'd uh you know basically just all of the stores that are really doing you know big things and trying to uh, do their best to keep legacy alive. I mean, I know that uh, for a lot of these stores, it's, you know, it'd probably be way more profitable for them to do things like modern or pioneer or whatever, but they're still out there for the community doing legacy stuff. Yeah. You know? Hell yeah. And um, I'm excited. I'm going to be going to ELD's uh, legacy tournament soon. So looking for that. I might even bring some Esper Stoneblade, you know, give me a reason to sleeve it back up. <laughs> Good. Last time I was there, I think I, I took second there. Awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, well, for me, Jerry, I'm actually going to scoop you in. I rarely scoop guests in, but I do want to scoop you in because uh, thank you for giving me a reason to sleeve up, uh, you know, one of my favorite decks again. It definitely reminded me just how much I love playing Esper Stoneblade and, you know, just what an absolute blast the deck is. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh well awesome uh next week we will have pat back with us and uh until then hope you all have a good night i remember playing back in 94 when three mana never got me a four four I remember playing back in 94 Before Storm, before the grizzled brands and neoforms I remember playing back in 95 Battling the ivory tower with my black vines I remember playing back in 95 When the only force of will was the one we had inside You say we've come so far I say where we going So many planeswalkers The stained glass ceiling's broken Gold-plated diamond cards Still our wallets open Take me back to 94 I remember playing in March of 96 Trading Bad Moon and Green Ward for a Chromium I remember playing in March of 96 When my local game store still sold packs of legends And they were only $10 a pack back then Which seemed like an awful lot to me at a time Cause I was a kid and I didn't make any money So I had to beg my mom to buy me one and finally she did And I was really hoping that I would open an Elder Dragon Legend But instead I opened a Tempest of Freet but I learned to love that Tempest of Freed, and I put that Tempest of Freed into every single deck that I made, but I was too scared to use its ability, because I couldn't bear the thought of losing my Tempest of Freed. 
And that's what it meant to play Magic back then. We had a real emotional connection to the cards. Not like these kids today with their fancy Twitter accounts and their sideboard guides and their arena tournaments. Back in my day when we would open a pack of cards, it was magical. We didn't know what we were gonna get. Now it's all ones and zeros. I opened a $5 card. I'll trade you for your $7 card or you're gonna have to give me two extra dollars of value. No! Back in my day when we traded for a card, it was because we liked it. I traded two dual lands for a minion of Leshurac. Have you seen the picture on that card? You say we've come so far. I still say where we go in. So many planes, walkers, the stained glass ceilings broken. Gold-plated diamond cards, still our wallets open. Back to 94.